Welcome, onlookers, people of Echo. Let us know you're out there. Like, follow, thumbs up, smash that subscribe button. Is that a thing? Yeah. Don and Betty and everyone else watching, Echo Church is our place, our people, and our purpose. Tis the season. Build-A-Bag is here. It's love a, it! Oh, thank you, Jordan. It's an Echo tradition that we all love. We're a church that wants to not only make a lasting impact around the world, but we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus here in Rochester. So this is what we need. We need you. We are raising extra funds to invest into those who are in need in our city. Donate today to our generous fund online. Awesome. We also want to say thank you for your continued diligence to give God 10% of your income. Yes. Or 110%. Like your family always taught you, to give 110%. But if you want to do 10%, that's fine too. Uh, if you're looking to give to Echo today, you can head to our website, text any amount to 84321, or fill the envelope. Oh, oh, we don't fill out, don't fill out the envelope. Don't do it. Don't, don't, please don't do it. Just go, text an email, go to the website, 84321. Thank you so much. Enjoy today's service. Bye. Good Bye. morning, Echo.
every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you
presence this morning as we sing this song.
good it is to be in your courts this morning, Jesus, to dwell where your glory is. Father, I just pray and ask that you remind us to do this daily with you, not just on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Father, you deserve at least a moment of our time. And Father, I just pray and ask for forgiveness that I haven't done that, Jesus. Teach me, Lord, to love you more. Teach me to worship you in spirit and in truth. Not just to sing a song. But Father, I just pray the same thing over your church today. Pray that they would have a burning desire to worship you, to spend time in your presence. That's the key. That's the answer. Is your presence. Let's sing. Better is one day. Better is one day. Better is one day. Thousands elsewhere. Better. this morning, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. We love you, Father. Come and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we move forward here, just celebrate with what God is doing. Uh, You know, when we make that type of announcement that you guys gave $4,000 extra above and beyond your normal giving to to come along and just fuel the fire of venture and the difference that they're making, I don't want to, I don't want to just like skim past that. I truly want to celebrate and say thank you for your generosity. Uh, and, you, and your giving is making a difference. And, uh, and some other ways that it's making a difference is uh, just this last week, uh, the outreach team uh, led by some amazing individuals uh, took all, a bunch of single parents to a dinner this week just to say, we love you, we see you, and we want to encourage you. And because of your generosity, they were able to do that. And I'm telling you, the the fathers and mothers that went to there, they left with some fuel in the fire to go back into into their everyday, ordinary life. Uh, The other thing, just before the message, that that as I was listening to this and thinking about your generosity, I just got an email this last week, and uh, from this time last year, uh, or from year upon year, uh, your giving has increased 23%. Uh, and so, so thank you, thank you. You believe, you believe in the vision and uh, making a difference in and also through Echo Church. And man, I'm just proud to to be able to uh, be here with you every week. So thank you so much. And for those that haven't learned the joy of giving, I'd encourage you to learn it. Uh, <laughs> um, you know what's unique to my story is uh, on a very very young age, my dad taught me how to tithe. Uh, when I made $5, I gave 50 cents. When I made 10, I gave a dollar. And uh, I've, never ha- I've never gone without, just never gone without. It's always, I've always had enough and more, and man, it's just a blessing to give. Can I hear an amen? amen. Uh, hey, let's uh, take the, the corner here. We're starting a brand new series today called Test Me. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, test me. Test, test me. How many people like tests in the room? No, exactly. Like weird people over there, like right there. A guy wearing the Viking jersey. Strange. <laughs> oh, man, if you're anything like me, man, when you think about tests, like all of a sudden, like anxiety kicks in. 
right? The fear of like, oh no, I did not prepare as I should. Can I hear an amen from Echo High today? You know what I'm saying? So I remember like when I was in high school and college, man, you know one thing, one of the habits I had learned that I got really good at was procrastination. Anybody in the house? Anybody? Procrastination was the way of life. And I remember just before going into a test, what would I do? I would cram. I'd cram as much information in as short of a time as possible in hopes that I'd step into the test and succeed. But how many of you realize that every time you do that, or a lot of times when I studied, I would read the chapters and I would study the terms and I'd get to the test and realize everything I studied is not on the test. (laughs) It's the worst. I think we all just don't really like tests, except for the guy over there with the Viking uh, jersey, and uh, he just lives in tests being a Viking fan. Oh, I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble. We love our Vikings fans. But the one thing I kind of want to tell you to transition into the text that we're going to read is this. Isn't it funny how tests have a way of teaching us? Did you hear that? Tests have a way of teaching us. So some of us, we go into tests and we're like, oh yeah, we got this. And then what the test teach us, teaches us is we don't. <laughs> so it teaches us failure, right? At the same time, some of us, we, we do and we're diligent in the study and we, we step into that test, we take it and that test teaches us that we've been diligent and we've studied, that we've succeeded. And then there's some of us, and I hate you if you're out there, is you don't study and you go into the test and you succeed <laughs> unprepared. I mean, it's just amazing. I, you know, I'd like to be you. Uh, but, but I feel like tests will teach us failure. T- tests teach us, teaches us success. And, and I believe tests really begin to teach us if we're willing to, to see and, and observe and internally look within, it starts really telling us a lot about ourselves. And I think I'd like to lean into Job chapter one and really look at Job and his story uh, and reflect it upon ours as we are taking uh, really the next month to kind of lean into the tests that God gives us or the tests that God tells us to give him. So if you have your Bibles, open to Job chapter one. Uh, For those that don't know who Job is and you're new to your faith, you might be reading it as Job. Okay, so Job or Job in the Bible, it's the same thing. And in verse one, we see in the land of Uz or Uz or whatever you want to call it, there lived a man whose name was Job. And this man was blameless and upright and he feared God and he shunned evil. And, and to be honest, what happens next in that, in that verse is you find out that Job, he's loaded. I mean, he, uh, he's, he's got the nice car, he's got the big house. And it's not, in, it's, it's not on loan. He's got what he needs, and he's got more than he ever needs. He's bl- hashtag blessed and some. In fact, it mentions he's the wealthiest man on earth. He's one of the wealthiest men on earth, depending on what version you're reading. And then in verse 4 and 5, we see a glimpse into the mind of Job, And we find that he is actually a massive giver. He's actually a worshiper of God. And his heart is is really set on pleasing God. And then verse 6 comes in, and this is where the narrative shifts from who really Job is and really starts... uh, painting the picture of who the, the enemy is and, so, and, and, and maybe how a test is going to come. And it says, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. Uh, if, if you know anything about uh, the, the Hebrew there, it's Satan. It's who we call Satan, where, where we've got these uh, characteristics or char- uh, characters of this 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 person who dresses up in a red costume, right, with some horns. And, and what I want to help just kind of repicture is the Satan is known as the adversary. He could be known as the prosecutor or the accuser. And so let me just reread that. The Satan, the accuser, the prosecutor, uh, the adversary comes to God. And when he does, he... He says, hey, guess what? Do you know who this Job guy is? 
And he starts presenting this narrative like, oh, the only reason why Job serves you is because he has everything he needs plus more. Do you not realize that if we take everything from him, he may not serve you anymore? In verse 7, it says, the Lord said in response to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. And he was looking for someone that served God. He was looking for someone to test. He was looking for someone to challenge. And then in verse 8, it says, The Lord said to the Satan, the accuser, the prosecutor, the, and the accuser or the, the uh, ad- adversary, he said, he said, Have you considered my servant Job? Let me reread it in a different way. Have you tested my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. And I want you to see this. I want you to to read it. I want you to take a picture of this. I want you to write it down because he is this. He is blameless and he's upright. He's a man who fears God and he is someone who shuns evil. And what we read in the story is it's full course. It's like full course press on Job at this point because God says, you know what? Go ahead and test him. Go ahead, go ahead and test this man. See what's in his heart. See how he'll, how he'll respond. And quite frankly, Job lives through a nightmare circumstance. He lives within a nightmare circumstance, a, a haunted situation. And, and uh, Job ends up lo- losing truly everything he has and everyone he knows. I mean, this is, te- this is a test above all other tests. And today what I want to do is I want to look at what happens and how they describe Job as kind of a tool to help direct us into being the people of God that God calls us to be. So one of the things that jump out on this is as Job is tested and as the conversation, uh, conversation it's almost like a picture of, of a judgment, uh, a, like uh, a judge's room, right? A court and, and, and God is on the throne and then the, the prosecutor comes. The one thing that I, that I find really jumps out at the, on the scripture that God says about Job is, have you considered, have you tested my servant Job. And I just kind of want to have a little fun today. Have you, have you considered my servant, Christy? I mean, let's fill in the blank. Fill in your name. Have you been tested? Have you been put into a situation that begins to reveal the things that are in your heart, in the, into the center of your being. I mean, when was the last time you asked God to test you? <laughs> I don't like asking that. And I know you don't either because we know what comes with that. But there is a man who, who writes and sings in, and, and we can recount it in Psalm 139, 23. Yeah, David writes, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offense offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let me make this one statement. Do you know that we all serve somebody? Or let me say it like this. Do you know that we all serve something? And the question today is this, is who do we serve? And I think tests a really great way to begin to expose who we serve. See, a test is about the fire, right? It's about, it, sometimes it's the fire, it's, it's the test, it's, it's like, it's whether or not we will come out of the fire tried and true and still standing on God. And like I said, I'm not sure if I really like tests and I'm not sure if I like God's tests, but it reminds me of, high school, because I think many of us, we, we just hope we're never tested. And so what we do is we just procrastinate. And then when the tests come sneaking upon us, we, we, we respond like this. I don't feel ready. I don't feel able. I don't feel like I can measure up. And to be honest, none of us are ever ready for 
the tests that come our way. And I think, to be honest, Job wasn't ready either. And in, in a verse uh, that I had kind of skipped over and summarized, he had mentioned, uh, it, it was in, in how it was written, Job said something like this, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their heart. This was Job's regular circumstance or, or custom. So, so what would happen was Job, it, it's written about him. That, actually, it's, it's kind of funny, not funny. But his, his, his sons and daughters really liked to party. And in that day, in that culture, who you were were not only who you were, but who your family was as well. And Job being unsure of, of his kids and what they were doing, he not only brought in worship for himself, he also tried to cover the sins of the family potentially. And, and what I want to say is this, and, and, and feeling like Job didn't really, like maybe he didn't feel like he was ready. He didn't feel like his family ready. It was ready. That word perhaps, man, I can resonate with it because I think when we come to life circumstances, when we think about God testing us, uh, perhaps we're ready. Perhaps we're going to be able to stand up and be who God's called us to be. Perhaps we, we won't. And, 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 and the truth is, is, I just want to say this, is we can have doubt in whether we're ready if the test is coming or we'll be able to make it, but let us not be caught off guard. And I just kind of want to fight against that, uh, how we can just push past the tests and, and not prepare and let procrastination kind of, you know, subside within our life. I, I actually think we're, we're quite a bit like this orange. I think our life is quite a bit this orange. Anybody like oranges? I love oranges. I love this season where oranges are around. And, and uh, what, what's unique about an orange is when it may look okay and it might feel okay, it might even smell okay, but we have no idea whether it's good inside. And I kind of want today to be one of those days where, where yes, we, we might feel okay and we might all look okay. We all might smell okay. Look at your neighbor and take a big whiff and say, you smell okay. <laughs> I kind of want to expose what is inside our hearts. And I want to find out if we were to unpeel the oranges of our life and our heart, whether what is inside is good or not. And I, I just sense that when tests come our way, it's truly what we have placed and what we've sowed on the inside of our heart that will determine the success or the failure of the tests coming our way. This orange is quite a bit like our life. Not until we unpeel, divide the pieces, and take a bite will we know the hearts of the orange. And I'm not sure about you, but when I'm put to a test, I want to be found like Job was found. When I'm tested, I want to be found blameless. I want to be found blameless. In fact, if you go ahead and start looking at this, this Hebrew word, it means, and it can be translated in other occasions as perfect or complete, whole. Or if you look into the root of that word, it means finished. Finished. <laughs> How many of you know that it's, it's not finished in your life yet? And what this word does and blameless and what it kind of evokes within me is the work is never done. That, that we're always to supposed, we're always supposed to, just kind of, to be honest, in our spiritual walk, it's, it's not about earning God's love. I believe it's about responding in God's love and also just saying, you know what, God, you, 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 you did your part, but I'm going to stand up and do my part, and I want to stand up blameless, and I know you can cover my sins and you can forgive my sins, but I'm sure not just going to keep coming back to you to ask forgiveness. I'm going to live in that forgiveness and try to be as blameless as possible. 
but understanding that the work won't be done until the day of Christ Jesus. How about this, this word upright, yeshar, it means straight, upright, and correct. And if you start looking at some of the word connections from this reference in Job with the other scriptures within the Old Testament, it has a connotation and a connection to obeying the commandments of God. So to be blameless is, 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 is allowing God to continue to do the work that he started within you that will be completed on the day of Christ. Jesus, to be upright is truly your, your attempt to stick to the commandments that he's placed and he's, he has defined within your life. In fact, not only does it refer to the commandments, but it really starts giving you this reminder that we're called to do what's right in God's eyes and not your own. It's kind of like going to a test and, and you study whatever you want to study and you totally just forget about what your teacher told you to study because you just know what's going to be on that test. I think many of us, we walk into life and, and, and we prepare internally on our own energy and our own interests and our own intuition and we get through tests, we start walking through tests and we're like, man, we are not prepared because we've prepared in a total different way. How about this? We don't talk about this much in church, but the third word is the fear of God. It's to revere God. It connects to the scripture in Genesis 3, the very first reference, and that is, I heard you and I was fearful, so I hid. I heard you walk into the garden, so I hid. Can I tell you, to revere God is not to hide from God, but to revere God is to run towards God. And let me, let me just explain it to you. I'm a father of three daughters. And what I want them to always remember that they are always to run towards me and not run away from me. That no matter what they have done, there's nothing that they can do for me to love them less. And that's the same thing with God. I believe God loves you, and it doesn't matter what you do. Uh, he, you, he will not love you less. And to be honest, he won't love you more. And so I, I think of it like this. I got a neighbor, and he's got a dog, and his name's Nolan. And I was hanging out in uh, his front, uh, on his driveway, and just kind of hanging out in the garage. And my youngest daughter, Keza, is best buds with, with what I, who I call Brevin. His name is truly his name, Evan. If you know me, I give everybody a nickname. And, uh, and they're hanging out, and they're having lunch in the garage. And, and Evan, that particular day, put his food on the garage floor. And when no one else was looking, guess who ate it? Nolan, the dog. And I noticed it, and I just kind of chuckled and, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, Isaac came out. And I've never seen such a change in a dog so quickly. Because that dog revered Isaac. It feared Isaac, and, and, and what, I, what I'm telling you about that, and some of you are like, well, you're, you're, you're kind of confusing me, confusing. The fear of God is understanding who God is, but also understanding the sincere call that he has on your life that you're going to respect it. To revere God is to run towards God, but also when temptation, when you're going to eat the peanut butter, the PBJ sandwich, it's supposed to remind you before you eat it, I fear God. I'm just not going to do it. And, and so I just want to encourage you to, to understand and, and to revere God. I, I just was listening to a book by David Banner, just the Surrender to Love is, is the title. And he says, God doesn't want us to stand back in fear, but he desires us to have rever reverential intimacy. He wants us to be close enough to him that we know his heart, close enough to hear his heartbeat and to see his eyes and for his eyes to look into ours. Let's fear God. How about this last one? Moving from evil. 
I read that specifically like that. We are called to move from evil. We're, we're to depart from evil. The problem is, as many of us uh, in this church and in today's culture or the overarching uh, culture is we're just kind of neutral. And I think what was significant, we read that in the story of Job, is not only was he, he not okay stepping towards uh, sin, but he wasn't okay with just staying in the same place, but he was, he was intentional to continually move away from evil. If you go ahead and look at those words and what it connects to other stories in the Bible, it actually, it references departing from evil, moving from evil in the story of Noah and the flood. Let me just throw out just overarching narrative through three stories that are connected to moving from evil. The very first reference to moving from evil was the story of Noah. It was really a story of a fresh start. Moving from evil, we begin to move from evil because God gives us a fresh start. How many in the room has been, have been given a fresh start at some point in your life that you received the love of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus because of the blood shed upon the cross? We've received that. You've received that fresh start. And so if we receive that fresh start, well, let's begin the journey to move away from evil. The second story that's referenced in this word from moving from evil is the story about Sodom and Gomorrah. It's really a story about sin, but it's also a story about allowing a guide a savior to begin to guide you along the way. And so what we see is Noah and, and the flood, we see a fresh start in Sodom. We see a savior stepping in to walk alongside someone to move away from evil, to guide away from evil, a savior guiding you from evil. And how about this? The last reference that I'm gonna make up about moving from evil is a unique one. It's a story about Jacob, Jacob and Laban. You guys know that story at all? It's about, it's about Jacob being a sheep herder, a shepherd, and, 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 and they were going to kind of split ways, and he wanted to kind of, uh, Jacob wanted to own some sheep as well, not just watch Laban's. And, and what happened is there was this dividing of Laban coming in and taking all the good sheep and all the perfect sheep and giving Jacob all the bad ones. And I'm telling you what you need to know about moving from evil and the story of God and Jacob and Laban is this, is redefining our hope by trusting that God knows best. Because what we see in that story, although Laban takes all the good ones, we know who reaps the benefit? Jacob does. And now all of a sudden, his livestock become abundant and he prospers and God just makes a way where it doesn't seem like there was one that could happen. That's the story of moving from evil. See, what I want to tell you today in closing is this, is, is many of us, when we approach a test, we think the test is for God to know. But the truth is, is tests are there and given to you so that you might know. Yes. Did y'all catch that? Yes. I mean, let's just kind of get like geek out just a little bit about theology here, a little bit about the study of God. God knows everything. Do you think he needs to test you? Right. To know what's in your heart and what's in your mind, what you're capable of, what you're not capable of? No. But tests are put in within our life so then when we get to the other side, we can look in the mirror and go, God, you know what? Oh, if it wasn't for you, I would not have been able to stand. And now I know. See, I think tests review a few, uh, reveal a few things. It begins to reveal who you are. It begins to reveal who or what you know. Tests reveal, uh, how about this one? You guys, I think some of you will resonate with this. Tests reveal who you are not and what you don't know. Some of you need that. You know, you need a test because, man, you just need to know what you don't know. How about this? Tests reveal who God is. The test will reveal God's character, and I believe tests reveal his faithfulness. Tests also, and we can see this in the story of Job, tests reveal your true enemy. Tests reveal who your accuser is and his intention. And let me just be really frank. It reveals the intelligence of your enemy. 
And again, I've said it, and I'm gonna say it again, which is just really fitting on what day today is. Satan, the accuser, the prosecutor, Satan, is not a man dressed in a costume, running around who looks kind of cheesy and might scare a two-year-old. He is a real enemy and he's here to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, but Jesus has come that you might have life and you might echo it more abundantly. So today, what I wanna do just before we move on, I just wanna create a moment and take a pop quiz. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, I love pop quizzes. I'd rather take a pop quiz that doesn't count than step into a test that I'm not ready for. And what we put on the screen here is, I'd like for you to take a picture of this. I'd like for you to write those down, text yourself that, put in your Evernote, put it in your Google Doc, whatever it is, put it on the journal that you brought, put it in your Bible. I believe we all serve something and we all serve someone. And I think the spiritual pop quiz could maybe reveal what we're serving today. So the first question is this, is what makes me anxious? <laughs> Anybody in the house? <laughs> I mean, what am I fearful? What do I fear? What am I fearful of? Where do I spend most of my time and money? Uh, insert awkward laugh. That gets a little too real. Number four, where and when and how often does God fit in? And what do I trust most? And how about this one? Could I trust God more? I know this is a little different, this is a little odd, but just all across the room, when you just close your eyes, kind of forget about your neighbor, forget about where you're going trick-or-treating, forget about all the things that you've got to do today, or tomorrow, this week, and, and will you just start meditating upon the questions that were on the screen? Today, God, we, we allow you to peel back our hardened shells. God, I sense that some of us, we came into this space and, and we've got a million reasons why we're just closed off. And today by your presence, better, better to be in your presence one day in a thousand places elsewhere, a thousand times elsewhere. God, today reveal, begin to peel back, start opening doors that we have closed and put locks on. God, I just pray that you begin to divide those things that are hidden that no one else sees. Got to divide some of those things in our hearts that, that God, that we hide ourselves because we don't want to look in the mirror of our own soul. And at this very moment, God, I just ask that you would begin to taste, you would help us taste and see your goodness. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in our hearts, in those hidden spaces, into those rooms where doors have been locked and you have not been allowed in for a long time. And Jesus, today, we sit in this space and we are committed to be obedient and we commit once again to surrender to your way, your will, and we choose to follow you, Jesus. 
the work that you've begun in us today, God, I just ask that you would begin to cultivate through the week. That those questions, the spiritual pop quiz, maybe the positions of our heart and our fear and the things that take our time and, and money and, and all those things that we put our trust in you. God, I just ask that you would begin to reveal those things so that God, that we would remove potential habits and hangups and we would begin to lean in you as the person who can bring great health. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Is God good? <clears throat> Every week we invite people who walk into this space who feel like they're far from God to take a step towards God today. Not only is it an invitation for someone to start a relationship with God, but it's also a reminder to us as disciples that we cannot do life alone. Amen. So as I invite those who have never prayed a prayer like this or have not prayed a prayer like this for a while, I invite the disciple who prayed this last week or yesterday to recommit their life to Jesus and putting our trust in him as our savior. Echo Church, let's pray. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority, amen. Let's celebrate with those that said that for the first time today. Now, if you guys don't know anything about Andy, um, if he's at your house eating an orange, the peel's gonna end up in your yard. Just throwing that out there. Uh, let's celebrate another group of people today. Let's celebrate those that are here for the first time. Come on. Now, another thing that we're doing today is it is the last day of Pastor Appreciation Month. So uh, now I, 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 Brandon, I'm not sure if you were here a couple years ago, I wrote a really terrible song. I mean, it was like kind of quirky and fun and, and I had fun with it. And so I've been talking about this week that I'm going to do a song uh, and Andy's nervous. I'm just going to be honest. He's totally nervous because... You liked it, Ben? That makes me happy. I mean, I tried. I, it was fun. It was, it was good. But what we decided this time on our song is to, is to get the professionals involved and make this a little, a little better. Andy's happy. Now, let me get out of your way, Dexter. Uh, a little, uh, little uh, acknowledgement is, I no, more like an apology. No, I don't know. I, I really like country music. Now, there's some people in here that hate country music. I don't, I don't judge you. There's times in my life I hated country music too. But there's this song that I really like. And so my friends up here, and maybe me a little bit, are going to sing some different words to a different song and have a ton of fun. So let's, let's have some fun, guys. Come on. My Pastor Christy is amazing. Loves to help folks find their place Jenny Lynn, she gets the work done In the background, she's got details That we all need to know, yeah I've got some famous friends Right here at Echo Church Downtown at Castle, our team is second and nine
is here at 